You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag, our midweek podcast where we answer your questions live here on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and on YouTube. And if you are watching on Twitch or YouTube right now, you're probably very curious as to why I look like I look. But guess what? It's because it's Movember. It is our first stream of Movember where you guys get to do very silly and stupid things to my face uh, and my background and all sorts of things. Uh, head to PrideDetroit.com for all the info on that. But let's get to the show here. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. I don't think I said that yet. And if I did, I'm sorry for repeating myself. With me, as always, to answer all of your questions is the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, is the machine, is Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. Buddy, happy November. I'm glad to see that you are uh, jumping in head first. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's nice to see, buddy. Uh, it's it's fun. It's fun until it's it, it gets old. <laughs> we'll see. I'm I'm having fun right now. Uh, it, it's it's a very silly and fun season, and uh, we do a lot of good work. So, uh, yeah, head to PrideDetroit.com for all of that info. But let's jump into it, Eric. Lines are six and two. People still got questions on their mind, though. A lot of uh, interesting oh, developments. You know, we had the trade deadline. Um, people are talking playoff seeding. People are talking about off season moves. We're going to focus mostly on the present here a little bit. We'll we'll dive a little bit into the future, but let's start here with a little bit jump into the future, but not too far in the future. I said playoff seating. Ashley David Soden on Twitter asks, what are your dream playoff matchups in the wild card around? And says, quote, or parentheses, you're not allowed to say none because we get the first seed and a bye. And what is the worst possible <laughs> matchup in your expert opinion? Uh, okay, so I, I think if we... Like, you know, we try and expand what we know now um, and then apply it to the playoffs. Right. So we yeah. say Eagles, let's for the sake of this exercise, Eagles are number one. Yeah. Right. So um, that puts, let's say, Detroit at number two. And then you're going to have either Seattle or Niners. And then you're going to have whoever wins the NFC win, South. Who's, who's going to win Atlanta. Tampa, New Orleans, <laughs> it could really be anybody. It doesn't matter for, for the Carolina. first round. Well, yeah. it doesn't matter for the first round anyways, right? right? So that means the loser of the Seahawks uh, 49ers is going to face either the, the three or the four seed. Yep, and then yep. the Cowboys are going to face the one of those two teams. So if the Lions can get the two seed, you're getting a, a team that is probably – not you know in the contention right now right. so that one that means they're going to be maybe they get hot and you're you know you got to face a hot team down the stretch at the same time there's always teams that sneak in and then yeah. you're like oh they shouldn't be in the playoffs and then they get walloped right and so that's what i'm hoping for yeah. i'm hoping for 
since the one seed's off the table, I'm hoping for a two seed, and it's not one of the top six teams in the NFC right now, <laughs> and, it, and you just get a chance to wallop them at home at Ford Field. Yeah, and I think I was saying this, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or during a break, like I think that two seed is critical to, to get. It, you know, if the one seed is not available, I think the two seed is so important just for everything you just laid out, because it means you're going to either get the Vikings or the Rams or NFC South team that doesn't win the division or I guess an outside chance at the commanders, all those teams that probably don't belong in the playoffs. And and when a lot of people say they when they added that third wild card spot, you're just adding a team that doesn't deserve. That's what it looks like it's going to be this year. It's a team that doesn't deserve to get to the playoffs. So, you know, if you want to pick amongst that group who you want the most, you know, I think I think I'd take another shot at Tampa. I mean, you're proven to have beaten them. I mean, really, NFC, any, any, I would love to see a second NFC South team make it in the playoffs because I think the Lions can beat any of them. I don't know if the, I, I know the Vikings are what four and shift your head a little bit, four and four. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> thank you for allowing me to see schedule there, uh, or the, uh, the rankings, um, seedings, whatever you want to call it. Um, so the Vikings, though, I think, you know, like everybody's like, oh, they got Josh Dobbs. So now they're going to have a chance at the playoffs. I don't know. I'm not sold that Josh Dobbs is going to be this like difference maker. That's right. all of a sudden going to propel them ahead of maybe a Tampa. Maybe the, and if it does, great. At the same time of the seven games they have remaining, two of them are against Detroit. So those are losses. And so like that means right. they're going to have to really beat some really good other team or really, you know, other teams down the stretch yep. in order to get in. So I don't including know. the Ravens this week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So like they would have to go on a pretty they'd have to beat almost everybody else in, in yeah. order to get in. Um, so I'm not sure the Vikings get in they'd have to do some they'd have to beat teams they shouldn't beat and then so maybe it is tampa but the lions you know the alliance are took care of them already they yep. they know the game plan and and hopefully they'll be healthier when they take tampa bay on again so baker bay baker mayfield doesn't scare me and i think when you start looking at like playoffs one of the big things is quarterback play in the yep. playoffs like that's it's sure. essential it's it's so hard for teams to take a mediocre to below average quarterback and then overcome their weaknesses. And I think that's what you have in a lot of these NFC uh, teams is outside of those top six. I don't know what quarterback is like scary. There's one. Right. Let's let's uh, let's flip to the other side of the coin there though. Like what is, what is a team you, you don't want to face? I feel like right now, I mean, it's, it's kind of the obvious answers, right? Like you, you win your division, you have to play, yeah. let's say you, you get the three or the four seed. That means you're facing either the Seahawks or the 49ers. I think that's a nightmare yeah. scenario. Yeah. I think those two are probably the, the two. Like, I'd rather play the Cowboys than I'd rather play the Seahawks or the 49ers again. I'd rather play. I mean, yeah, I think that's it. Like, I, out of yeah. out of the teams that aren't going to win the division, um, I don't want to play the 49ers. I don't want to play the Seahawks. Yeah, I think the 49ers would be the worst case scenario because I think yeah. they're the most complete team. They just have have hit a patch of struggles. Um, they've shown they're beatable, but at the same time, they're also very complete. Uh, Seahawks are bad medicine for the Lions, have yeah. been, but it'd also be nice to get some revenge. Sure. And then at, at the same time, uh, Dallas has always been you know, bad medicine for the Lions as well. But 
they get the they take advantage of the Cowboys as well. So it's like a there's bad juju on both sides there. Right. So um yeah, I, I think the Niners and then the Seahawks, those would be the two teams I wouldn't want to face. All right. Next question here from John Livingston at the Johnny Pig asks, is it time to start worrying about Vitae? Has Glasgow done enough to win the starting spot when eventually when he's back healthy? No, oh, yeah, I, I don't think you can bench Glasgow at, at any point. I don't. At the best we've ever seen Vitae play is not as good as Graham is playing right now. Um, I don't think you can, I think you can move Graham if like there's injuries and, but I don't think if you're talking about a one for one, who's going to play, um, and there's just one spot available. I think it's Graham's. So unfortunately, Vitae, we, this, he, he may be nearing the end of his career right. if, if this back injury isn't something that can shore itself up. And that's, and that's really unfortunate. Um, but even when he's not on the injury report, he's still not ready to go, um, yeah. because it's still, you know, it's still a problem. Uh, but regardless, like, like I said, even if he was a hundred percent, yeah, the way Graham is playing right now is the best I've ever seen Graham play. Yeah, no. And and it's, it's amazing that he's doing what he's doing, considering he started at three different spots already through eight weeks. Um, that is yeah. not easy to do. That is in, incredibly labor intensive. It's, it's, it's a mentality thing that that's not easy. And, and granted he's been around long enough where, you know, maybe it is a little bit just like, you know, getting back on a bike at, at every single position, but um, it, it's still something that, that not a lot of people in this league can do. And I'm with you. Like, I think he's earned a starting job at this point and, and Vitae, I don't, I don't know how you can trust him right now. Um, back injuries. I, when The question is, when should you start worrying about Vitae? It was as soon as you saw back injury on the injury report last week, because it looked like he was, he was trending towards coming back from his knee injury. And there was no reason to expect that, that that would hiccup and or turn into anything else. But then he plays one game and the back injury pops up and you're just like, yeah. that's, that's what you had surgery on last year. Back injuries are not, something you mess around with. And so I, I think, I think they're going to continue to have him on the roster as an emergency option, but I don't think they want to mess with that long-term. I, I, I think, I think Graham is your right guard. And when Jonah is healthy, hopefully that's very soon. He's your left guard and that's it. Yeah. I'm, you know, we were, we kind of saw an emergency situation last week. Yeah. I mean, like not only did they have uh, Ausika and, and Soros still starting, but then Ausika goes down and you had to go to Skipper. Right. And so, like, yeah. Right. I like, so, and maybe again, that's health related, or maybe that's just the way things are. Yeah. Uh, he's a tremendous mentor, especially for Sewell. Right. And so, uh, he's important to keep around. But at this point, I know Sewell's only 23, but he is a captain. He is right. a leader. Like right. he doesn't need, he doesn't need an, an older vet holding his hand or helping him or encouraging him anymore. Like Sewell is, this is becoming Sewell's team. Like right. we're watching this happen in front of us right now. This is, he is becoming the guy. And so it's uh, I, I think you hope that, that Vitae for the remaining nine, 10, whatever weeks, he becomes Sorsdal's kind of mentor, right? Sure, sure. I think Graham is that really true um, because because Sorsdal has to be able to switch positions yeah. and he has to have that mentality. And and I think Graham 
can relate to that in, in a way. And granted, Graham plays all three interior where Sorosto plays left, right, and then tackle. Right. Whereas where that, you know, and Vitae has experience doing that as well. So, True. you know, Colby's going to, he's going to soak up information wherever he can, but yeah. I really think him and Graham uh, fit well together. And like I said, that, that ability to be position flexible helps a lot, but no, I agree. I, I do agree. Vitae is, is He's a good person to have on the team uh, in this situation, but I, gosh, it's hard to imagine long term. Look, this is a, this is a guy who's like who's was considering retiring over the off season. Yeah. He's got kids. He doesn't want any. You don't want him to have any long term injury impacts. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. You want him to be healthy. He's he's made enough money um, where he can live a, a very comfortable, happy life, and so you hope the best for him. Uh, but man, I don't know how, how long he can go with him before he feels like he's risking himself too. Right. All right. Next question here from uh, our good friend Krolik on Twitter asks, who do you think should get the majority of the carries over the course of the second half of the season, assuming both are healthy Montgomery or Gibbs? I feel like this, this is a question that has been bubbling. You, you threw it up on, on, uh, on private.com as well. Um, it, it, it's a really, it's a really interesting question because, mm-hmm. um, I think we always assumed that Gibbs would, you know, increasingly eat into Montgomery's take, which was like a pretty big take Mm -hmm. early in the season. But now that he has a a couple of good starts under his belt, including a really, really good game uh, on Monday night, some people are thinking like a complete role reversal, which is not what I'm expecting. I'll I'll answer it first. Like, I still (laughs) think Montgomery is going to have the majority of the carries. But I think it's going to be very, very close to a 50-50 split. Maybe not not maybe not right away. Maybe it's more like 65-35. Maybe it's closer to 60-40. But we know this team really, really likes David Montgomery. We know this team really, really likes to grind out tough yards and be this physically imposing team. And so that's that's who David Montgomery is. Now, here's what I'll say about the last two weeks. Dan Campbell has said a lot of flattering things about Jameer Gibbs. He said a lot of things about. He's getting better every week. He's he's you know he's seeing the field better. He's and and then this is key to me. He's gaining their trust. Mm. He's gaining their trust in route running. He's gaining their trust in in vision. He's gaining their trust in pass protection. And we know how important trust is to this regime. And so once you get trust, that's when you see the field more. And so not only I, I still think in terms of carries. David Montgomery is going to lead the way, but in terms of touches, it might be even or might even slant Gibbs's way because I think we're headed towards a lot more two running back sets now, now that they trust Gibbs. It's a real interesting question because I don't think there's like a clean answer. Yeah, which is the which is the the main reason why I presented this converse this uh, question yeah. to in the in the react survey was I wanted to create a little bit of debate and I and I tried to preface what I was asking by saying starter reps don't mean he's the starter starter reps means he's getting the majority of the snaps the majority right. of the opportunities so basically saying look from from a from a uh from a logistic standpoint i only have so many characters to write the question right. so i can't be like who would be the guy who gets the most snaps without right. you know what I mean? like you gotta right. be, you gotta you gotta condense it so i tried to explain it in the article uh, the comment section was 
very interesting. Uh, lots of people, I don't think read the explanation part, just voted and then yelled oh, at me. About are you saying people in it? People only read the title of an article. <laughs> that doesn't sound like the internet. And so, and so I don't think uh, they fully grasp it, but like, yeah, the main question, I think it's an interesting question moving forward is who is going to get it. And I think in an ideal world, they're both going to get an, uh, a pretty, they're going to platoon them both. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be situational work where some guys, some defenses are going to be more susceptible to Montgomery. Some defenses are going to be more susceptible to Gibbs. And it's really a, a, a wealth of riches type situation. Right. And so I think that's the answer. Like the answer is, I don't think there is one. Right. And that is pop out of cop outs. Okay. No, but let me say, yeah. well, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so I think, but I, but that's why I wanted to pose the question was because I wanted to, to create a debate and just like to see like what people were thinking, because there's a, there's a school of thought that says he's done. Gibbs has done so well that you could see them just turn to him and say, look, we draft him in the first round. He's going to be, we, we think he's the guy let's move forward with him." at the same time, their entire offensive strategy centered around Montgomery yeah. being this bell cow smash you in the mouth uh, type of like, you know, wear you down type of back. And so I do think it's, they're going to try and even split it. But to answer the question and not cop out, six my minutes into your is, response. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. My, my, my answer is I think it's going to be Montgomery yeah. because I think their strategy, their overall strategy is going to be that they're going to want to still smash you home. Yeah. Right. And while Gibbs offers more dynamic play and he offers, um, a variety of ways to get involved and you're going to see him get involved early. I still think it's going to be Montgomery that hits him early and Montgomery that hits him late. And Gibbs is going to be the guy that gashes him in the middle and keeps them on edge and keeps defenses guessing. But I really think Montgomery is the guy that they're going to be, that they're going to consider like their RB one. Yeah. Now the fan results just came in. And I don't you know if you want them? me to share. No, I mean I no. You I want, want the, I want their I want their clicks. Oh, it's <laughs> it's it's not what I expected. Let me oh, put I, it that way. I it's interesting. It, I bet I know what it like, is. I thought it was going to be a close like battle. No. It is not a close no. battle. It was. I, Eric, I can tell skewed. you, everyone wants the new hot thing in town. That's that's how it works. <laughs> I can guarantee you, it's heavily slanted towards Jameer Gibbs. And I understand <laughs> it, it. It's the new toy. It's the toy that just got you one hundred and. 50 some yards on, on Monday night football. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it, but it was but, an 80, 20 vote. Let me put okay, it that well, that, That's maybe a little bit more split than, or heavily uh, yeah. in his favor than I expected, but yeah. Cause considering we get like one to 2000 votes on these articles and yeah. based on the comments, I'm guessing we were more towards the 2000 mark this time. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Well, yeah, it's we'll uh, it, it's worth uh, we'll noting who, that it's worth noting that the Lions cut Divino Zigba today, um, which yeah. certainly seems telling as in like, OK, well, if, if David Montgomery is healthy, that means now you only have two running backs on your roster. So that tells me that David Montgomery is healthy or is expected to be healthy once. Yeah, uh, they once may as well have just 
They may just put that on a billboard. Yeah. Like, would, Welcome back, David Montgomery. Yeah. <laughs> kind of kind of weird for them to do it in the bye week. Maybe there's some sort Whatever. of benefit to it. But um either way, well, I think you're right. But but I wanna I wanna move to our next question because it's kind no, of related. I, I wanna I want to pause for one second. Oh Just gosh. okay, fine. Fine. I'll come back to it. Fine. I, I want I want to talk about the other side of that move. Okay. About then the Trevor Nowoski move. So if you want okay. to do the related question, yeah, we'll come yeah, back yeah. to Nowoski. All right. Okay. Sure. Uh Katie from Michigan on Twitter asks, going yep. forward, do you how do you see Ben and Dan addressing the red zone issues? Or do you feel those are a direct byproduct or result of David Montgomery being out? Yes. Yes, you think it is Just Montgomery. David Montgomery being back is is going to fix everything? Yes. <laughs> look, when they had Mon- look six times they got in a red zone, yeah. uh, or probably more than that. But like six times they got in the red zone, handed off to Montgomery. Montgomery runs it in the end zone. Montgomery yeah. gets hurt. They get in the red zone. They can't punch it in the end zone. It's not like it's not rocket science here. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> David Montgomery is their bell cow when they yeah. get inside the ten. And and on Monday they, night in I, particular, I, it looked like. It, it looks like that, that whole thing. Like, what do I do with my hands when I'm in the red zone? Do I let's make Amon Ra throw a pass on second and but one? But I think, I think, I think the cutesy is because right they, they didn't have Montgomery. They didn't have an identity in the red zone. And they when, don't have. And when, oh no! And they tried it, and they said, "Let's yes. get our other power guy and give it to Craig." And what happened? He was down on the ground for like oh. 45 seconds, and then the <laughs> then the ball gets stripped out. And they're like, "Oh." I'm Khalid Blakeman and I don't know what I'm doing. So let's just call it a fumble. Like, like honestly, like Montgomery solves all of these issues and Khalid Blakeman is the worst ref in the NFL. All right. Before we go uh, get out here, people have been begging for Trevor Nowoski talk, apparently. So Eric, what's, nice. what's your, okay. It, it It is kind of a little bit strange, right? The lines have six yeah. linebackers already Seven. on the roster. Oh yeah! Oh, now let seven. me finish my sentence. No, no, uh, no! We're cutting four. each other off, and we're, we're <laughs> assuming we know what each other's talking about now. Six linebackers before bringing up Nowoski. Four of them regularly contribute on special teams. So, what's what is the deal? Is 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 there an injury we don't know about? Do they like Nowoski so much on special teams? Is someone going to get demoted and and inactive on game days? What's your theory here? I think he can do a lot, right? Yeah. I think he can be. Um, I think he's he, he, remember when he was in college, he was the edge guy. He was uh, a slot guy. Yeah. He could he could cover off. He could he could um, play in the inside the tackles. He could play slightly outside the tackles. There was a whole bunch of stuff that that Nowoski could do at the college level. You saw sprinkles of it near the end of training camp where he started to get more looks at Sam. Yep. And so maybe he's he's like another. I do think special teams is the primary thing. Yeah. But like you could see some sprinkles at Sam. You could see some sprinkles at fullback and be like, hey, let's oh. just put, let's just put a couple of fullbacks back there. Okay, a couple no, of linebackers. No, stop it. No, let, let's run some oh. wing. Let's yeah. run some wing oh, T and no. just be like, whoa. And uh, <laughs> but look. I think Nowoski's versatility, like Anthony Pittman to be able to play a lot of different spots and apparently like Malcolm to play a couple of different spots now is, is just, it's important for what they want to do on defense. And it's important for, especially important for what they want to do on special teams. Look, they needed an answer uh, when Jason Cabinda went down and they turned to Daniels, but then they uh, needed a, 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 another back to replace Montgomery. So they, elevated uh, a Zigbo 
and cut Daniels. But now that Azigbo is not uh, is no longer needed because of Montgomery, they need another person, another body that's a fullback linebacker size, and that's Nowoski. So give him a shot, bring him in, let this dude wreck some people. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Another local kid, right? Yeah. Like it's local kid city here now. And that's awesome. I love to see it. It's it's interesting. I, I, I do. I, I love the idea that he could be the Sam linebacker because the lines clearly are are trying to figure that out right now. Um, Jack Campbell. I don't know if that experiment is over, but it was over on Monday night. Maybe that was a matchup thing. Yep. Maybe that was a let's just let's just stop messing around with it and have Jack Campbell be the Mike and and scale back Derek Barnes's role. Um but very like, interesting because there was a couple like that too. Right. Um, and 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 you know, Julian's been in and out, and and you know, Romeo's been in and out, Charles Harris has been in and out. It's it's they're trying to figure something out. And I I never really put it together that Nawaski could potentially be one of those guys. Um, but listen, the this is this is and, and I'm probably a, a bad comparison, but like James Houston was activated around this time last year as a guy that was in on the practice squad, and, and at some point they were just like we can't keep you on the practice squad anymore. I don't know if that's the case with Nowoski, but I'm very eager to ask Dan Campbell if he's a guy that just they couldn't have on the practice squad anymore. I think that's going to be one of the first questions he gets asked when we all uh, come back from the bye here. But speaking of coming back, we will come right back from this commercial break because it is a long first segment here in our special <laughs> November uh, midweek mail bag. But when we come back, a ton more of your questions. And if you join us live, not only can you write stupid, dumb stuff on our face, but we answer a whole bunch of more questions in the break. So make sure you're following us on Twitch and YouTube. But for our podcast audience, we will be right back. Macho man Jeremy Reisman here in the middle of our November campaign where you get me to do very silly, stupid stuff like that. Uh, we just answered a whole bunch of your questions. We're going to answer a bunch more. Get right into it. Uh, Jordan on Twitter, Jordan 17283s. Out of the many players who have been out the past few games, who are you most excited to get back after the bye? Who's the most impactful starter we've been missing? So a couple candidates there. Jonah Jackson, David Montgomery. Um, if you think James Houston is going to be back anytime soon, I wouldn't necessarily call him a starter, but he's a guy that could certainly make an impact. CJ Gardner Johnson maybe comes back at some point. Um, anyone I'm missing? Jason Cabinda, Matt Nelson. I, They're I mean, not starters, Frank, but Frank yeah. has missed one game. And yeah. you could, I guess you could count him, but I guess, I guess who are you looking forward to most seeing on the field that we haven't seen in a little bit? I think my favorite player to watch is Jonah, but I think yeah. the most impactful player is going to be Montgomery Yeah, uh, because of what we talked about in that first segment, the, the, the way that they use him just opens the offense up in a lot of different ways. It makes him more impactful in the red zone. It helps them execute in short down situations. It just gives them a plethora of options on how to uh, get you know, get business done on offense. And so Montgomery, I think is the, the answer for me there. Yeah, he's probably my answer too. Um, it would be nice to get some stability on the offensive line again. 
um, because we yeah. know the potential of this offensive line. And listen, they're they're still playing pretty darn well overall. Um, and has, yep. it just hasn't been their typical, I guess, dominating self. Um, so to get it, even you know, even though it's maybe not the quote unquote starting lineup we all wanted at the beginning of the year, if we have Jonah in there at left guard, Frank at center, and and Graham at right guard, that's that's essentially a starting lineup. Um, and, and that's their best. Lineup. That's their best. It really is. I think that's their best option. Don't you think? I do. And I just said the D word, which means I have to uh, add another <laughs> 10 to my swear jar here. Um, but I mean, there is part of me too. That's very intrigued, especially given all the, the shakeups that they have had at the will spot at the edge spot to, to get someone like James Houston back. And, and granted, it's not going to be for at least another month, but uh, man, I, I just, I need someone over there on the other side that that's, going to draw some attention because man these past few weeks it really feels like Aiden Hutchinson is just getting beat up by chips and double teams and triple teams there needs to be someone to draw attention from him and outside of maybe a Lee McNeil I just don't know if there's anyone on that defensive front that's doing it right now well you're hoping for Josh Paschal and Kaminsky to be able to hold it down and if and if Josh and and, and Kaminsky can get it done you know at least a rotation of those two guys can hopefully make some noise because right now I think Harris has taken a step back in the coach's eyes. Yep. They've been playing Julian over him. Uh, Julian really hasn't been doing a whole lot. You haven't seen Romeo even as often as you've right. seen Julian. They've tried uh, Jack Campbell at the Sam. They it's, you know, I, I think you're right now, your hope is you're getting a step up from the Campbell Pascal long-term you're hoping Houston heals up sometime in, in late December or maybe early January. So, but they're past the point where they're going to be able to add somebody who's going to be impactful. And so that's where you're putting your eggs at this point. Yep. All right. Next question comes from Kirsten on Twitter asks how special was the atmosphere in Ford field on Monday night? I was there and I've never seen it so electric. I think it's been good for all the home games so yeah. far. Um, I thought it was very creative how the Lions um, team, uh, Ford Field team, how they were able to incorporate things to engage the audience into um, some of the intermission stuff, you know, like with the lights. I thought it was smart to put Lomas's uh, big day uh, on Monday night, uh, debut the helmets. Like they they did a lot of things. Like, you know, they had the um, the bobbleheads even. Like yep. they threw a lot of stuff at fans to get the fans hyped up. Uh, they definitely responded. Um, I mean, you had people pulling players into stands, <laughs> into the stands after touchdowns. And so yeah, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, really clever creative ways to keep the fans engaged and like and, and you can see like it, it's they had a plan like they start out like uh if you, if you haven't been to ford field what what they do is they they try and do like fun stuff when the lions offense is about to come onto the field so they keep you like light and happy but not overly hyped and then when the defense is getting ready to come on the field then they're like let's play music to get everyone wiped up and run yell and yell and everyone's like oh. yeah and then it's like by the time they come back everybody's like screaming at the top of their lungs and right. like it's, it's very clever very smart um, they're putting the decibel so, levels on the on, yeah, on the screen, so people are trying yeah, to, to raise the, that and up, the, and, and the the players are hyping them up, and so yeah, yeah. Um, it's just going to keep going up too, right? I think as they get, you know, th- they're going to have they're going to have 
three more division matchups yep. uh, in the back half, all at, at home. You get Thanksgiving. You get Thanksgiving. You're gonna oh, yeah, right, potential playoff game. Like, and it's just it's it's gonna keep, it's just gonna keep getting better. Yeah, and and I will say too, some of the pregame stuff they're doing too. Like they had a, a big kind of get together in the park right nearby across the street of, of the field. And, and that was getting people hyped up. And to me, you could really sense it just walking into the stadium, how how hyped everybody was. I will say, I don't think it's, that was the loudest it's been. And maybe that just kind of had to do with some sloppy play on the field. Like it wasn't, it wasn't an outstanding game by any, any means. Um, Seattle game first, first home game of the season to me was the loudest. It was, it was insane. And I think part of that yeah. is you're coming off of Kansas city Everyone has super high expectations for the team. Granted, everyone has high expectations for the team now too, but you're you're coming off Baltimore. Maybe some of the initial hype has just died down because we're all, we're now getting used to the fact that the Lions are competitors and and legitimate. Um, whereas I think after that Kansas City game, it was all new and exciting and fun. Now we're settling in to be like, okay, we're awesome. Like that's the expectation now let's uh let's and i don't people want to, to lose that kind of like honeymoon feeling of wow we're we're this new fun exciting team but i think uh there there needs to be something else to spark i think that that next level of excitement whether it is a divisional opponent or a last minute finish or you know a just absolute decimating of a team 48 to 3 or something like that but um i i do think there's a little bit of a lull right now i and, and i shouldn't even really say that either because the lions attendance numbers were put out today and they're the best since 2011 in that game in Monday night. The last time yeah. they were this good, was, I, I, ironically Monday night, the job at best game against Chicago when they were f- five and zero. Oh. So, um, you know, it's still, it's still very exciting and, and very hyped. I just, I, I guess considering it was a Monday night game, I thought maybe there was going to be another level of intensity we hadn't seen yet. And I didn't, I don't think we hit it yet. I, I no, but I think we're getting used to it as well. I think maybe. we were kind of caught off guard in that Seattle game. Like, yeah, me and you are almost shoulder to shoulder, and I was trying to talk to you, and you couldn't hear me. And we're right. seven stories up, you know. Right. And um, but like, you know, they could go to another level. They were super loud. I mean, like, I, oh. I don't think, yeah, I don't think you're, uh, you know, I don't want people to think you're underselling how how loud they were. They really were really loud. Like, I think they were up to like one eighteen or something like that, like on decibel. So like, it's it's was up there, but like. They had a nice, consistently loud level that was really fun. And then the flags like interrupted the flow. Oh, you're gonna, game you're gonna blame this on Cleet too, huh? And then Cleet Blakeman. <laughs> but the but the loudest that they got was when Cleet Blakeman kept That's messing up calls. You're right. Yep. You're like, 100% they were, right. Oh, they went to a whole new level for Cleet because <laughs> him his Dumb play flag throwing, no <laughs> nonsense, baloney. So right. yeah, um, it's not. I you know they can go a little higher even, yeah. and, and I think I think they that's will. what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to convey. It's like I think there's another level that we haven't quite. Hit, it was, and we will. It was. It was still louder than probably anything we heard last year, though. Yeah, to be honest. Um, all right. Next question here uh, from Kaniac Zach asks. We've seen rookies take off in the second half of the season in recent years. I'm on St. Brown and James Houston, for example. Who do you think makes a similar impact this season? Oh, boy. That's a hard question because the, James kind of you know, came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Um, and so you're talking Trevor about... Trevor Nowoski. Who's, who's, 
I mean, who's a guy? I here, um, you know what? I I know this. Dan just asked something similar like this. Maybe oh, I no. I, Never I think okay, but I think my answer is Jack Campbell because I feel like Jack Campbell's been kind of quiet in his first half of the season, and that's part of it is they're trying to find a plate a way to get him on the field. Part of it was Derek Barnes was balling out. Part of it was you know he was making some rookie mistakes, especially in that Baltimore game. I think he is going to settle in, and he's going to start making some plays. Like we we haven't seen him make like a really phenomenal stellar play i feel like really since week one when he made that amazing pass breakup in 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 zone coverage and so i know i know the question was who kind of comes out of nowhere actually that 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 wasn't necessarily the question is who do you think makes a a a second half jump i think it's jack campbell i think he's going to settle in i think you saw last week that maybe they're like all right we're not going to mess around with this will stuff just play mike settle into the mic get better at mike and and start balling there and we all know he has the skill set to do it. I think a lot of it is just between the ears stuff and that stuff goes away when you get experience. And now he's starting to get a lot of experience. I expect him to jump uh, up and play by, by Thanksgiving. The come out of nowhere guy would be Roderick Martin, right? Because we haven't expected much out of him. So, and he has that potential. So he could be the come out of nowhere guy, but I think the guy that even though he's on our radar, that could all of a sudden just pop off. It's JMO, right? Like, I think if JMO all of a sudden decides he can start catching everything that comes in his radius, look out. Like, it's he's gonna, he's gonna take off. So, I know we haven't seen it yet, but we have seen those like 40 yard bombs to him. So, you start putting more of those on the, on, on, uh, on tape and he's, he, he can make a big impact in that way. I feel like that's kind of cheating. Because he's not a rookie, but, it, but it's kind of like a rookie season for him. Okay, so and that's fine. Um, no, no, I'll accept your answer. It, 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 it's, it's a good answer in terms of a guy that could make a big second half of the season jump. I was just thinking young players. That's, yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. I'll allow it. I just wanted to call you out, anyways. Um, right, Lyle, I understand. <laughs> at Lyle underscore Watts on Twitter asks, not to bring down the hype with this team and coaching staff, but does Dan Campbell's decision making worry you? Can it still be improved? Is it still improving? For example, not calling timeouts before the half slash late in games, challenge flags, et cetera. Um, this, this is an interesting question because I do feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect between reality and um, perception, I guess. You know, we, we put out that article this week where um, I can't, is it, is it Sumer Sports? I think they put out their own metric, which is expected Correct. win percentage added based on coaching decisions. So that includes timeout usage that includes going for it on fourth down that includes all those sort of game management things that, that we group into Dan Campbell's in-game decisions. And Dan Campbell was number one by a, by a fair margin in terms of win percentage added. It's something that he is almost in a different category from everyone else in the league. Now, I think a lot of people look at what happened at the end of the Seattle game in regulation lines burned a lot of clock they seemed disinterested in scoring a touchdown, settle for the game tying field goal. And then you see what happened this past week against the Raiders. It looked like they were heading down that same Avenue at the end of the first quarter where they're burning a lot of clock. They're, they're not calling timeouts. They have all three timeouts, but they're bleeding clock. They're bleeding clock. They're bleeding clock, except they finished that drive. Like I think they wanted to in Seattle, which is they got in the end zone and they, and they did exact, they did exactly what they wanted to do. And so I think we're looking at those two situations as similar and judging them based on different outcomes. 
And I mean, it's tough because I get it. In while it's happening, I'm I'm stressing out just just like you guys. I'm like, time out, time out, time out. Why are you bleeding all this clock? Um, and and it's sometimes literally, I, literally, we're saying that. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, <laughs> um, I can vouch but, for that. But at the same time, I, I, it, it's it's tough because I do think there's a little bit too much emphasis from Dan Campbell on bleeding the clock, on making sure the opposing team doesn't have enough time to score themselves. Um, but I can't argue with the results because they had plenty of time this past week, right? It looked like they were bleeding too much top and they clock and they scored with what, like 40 seconds left, 30 some seconds left. I think it was, I think it was in the, yeah, in the twenties, maybe even maybe it, it was maybe low. Yeah, it was less than a minute for sure. Right. Um, and so it worked and, and I, all is to say, it was a, it, I'm not worried because all of this is extreme nitpicking, like extreme nitpicking, especially when he's doing everything right in terms of fourth down calls and in terms of going for field goals, in terms of timeout usage or, or, you know, I I don't have any concern about about um, challenging. I know he had one bad challenge this year, but I don't I I mean, to me, I think he's doing a phenomenal job in general, and I might have a disagreement here or there, but that's that's with every NFL coach, right? I, I think the encouraging part of the play calling uh, or, or game management is that what you, you've seen this each year is that if they make a mistake early in the season, they typically find a way to correct that. And maybe we've seen that. We saw, okay, it didn't work in Seattle because of the X, Y, and Z. Now we do it against the Raiders and now it works because of X, Y. We correct those those problem areas. And so – the hope is that you don't run into a first time problem, right? Cause then, you know, who knows, but if it's a situation where it's stumped them before, this is a coaching staff that typically learns from their mistakes. And so hopefully, you know, you should be encouraged by that. All right. Uh, next question here from Kelly at KC Ryan. Sorry. I butchered that. Uh, asks, does not making a move to address the depth at cornerback indicate CJ Gardner Johnson returning, or do they really trust the guys in those positions? I think it's a matter of trust and then opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like the bears were trying to deal uh, Jalen Johnson. Right. And like, um, they were looking for like a late first, early second, like the price tag on cornerbacks is, was not, ideal i guess yeah. from and, what we can and to be gather. clear if the, if the lions are the trade partner they can only offer a late first a late they first can't, they can't <laughs> offer an early second right and so i don't i just I, I didn't see any of that happening like brad holmes top 100 picks are so valuable to brad holmes because he turns those guys into starters right like and he's got four of those picks four top 100 picks right. in this class yep so like Starting i don't think you want to part with any contracts. of them Yes. So I think he's look. he was looking at that saying, I'm going to have to spend money on, on a lot of my in-house guys. I'm going to need those picks to be able to be fine guys that can contribute. And so I don't think he was interested in dealing those away. And if you're not interested in dealing a top 100 pick, what kind of corner are you going to get? That's going to come in and be a starter. Um, like, they traded a sixth round pick for people's Jones who was starting in Cleveland, but he's not going to start here. You know what I mean? Like if you traded for a corner, you're you're probably not going to get a a starting level corner. Could it have helped with depth? Absolutely. Um, But at the same time, 
I, I don't think the I think this was a matter of just them not finding the right trade partner. We talked about this last week on the mailbag. We talked yeah. about the fact that finding us the small group of teams that's willing to trade and finding the right match of talent, player, culture fit, price tag, it's really hard to do. And I just don't think it was there. Yeah. And I mean, that's exactly what Dan Campbell said too, right? Like it, it has, we have a very kind of, I mean, he didn't say strict, but like there are all these criteria that, that this has to, to meet. it has to be the right price. It has to be the right player. It has to be the right demeanor. It has to be the right position, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's easier, easy for us to look on the outside and be like, well, this guy has a great PFF grade. He plays outside corner. We need him. But it's a lot more complicated than that. Like scouting a player, you have to make sure they're going to be a good scheme fit. You have to make sure they're going to be a good locker room fit. Um, I, You know, I look at a team like Washington, their sellers. I would have loved to have a guy like Kendall Fuller, but I'm guessing either he wasn't available, he wasn't the right price, or the Lions don't think he's a culture fit. And they have all that information. I don't have any of that information. And and given how well this team is team built in the past two and a half years, I have to I, I have to have some blind trust here because they have information that I don't and and yeah. I have to trust that they make the right decision. Kendall Fuller for a fifth or sixth, that sounds great in my book. Maybe that's not what the offer was. Maybe that's not what right. he, maybe it wasn't even on the table. Um and so all's to say that I, I kind of want to reiterate what 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 Eric said is like the opportunity might not just have been there, but I also do think there is a level of comfort in the corners they have what happened after the game, Eric, when the game ball was given to Aaron Glenn, what did he do with it? He gave it to the uh, guy who had the lowest PFF score on the team. <laughs> he sure did. He gave it to Cameron Sutton and Jerry Jacobs, who allowed yeah. a total of two completions to, to their <laughs> top like two seven wide yards. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is a level of trust there. Now I know everyone is screaming and I'm screaming it too. Okay. What if one of those guys gets injured? I don't have an answer for that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like yeah. we, we know they trust Will Harris. We know Will Harris is CB outside corner three. And I know that's sending half of you into a, a fit of rage and I'm not that far behind you, but it is what it is. Um, You can only get the, the players that, that are available and we don't know who was and wasn't available. So I'm not going to freak out about it. That's it. Yep. I'm with you. All right. Last question. I didn't put it in our, uh, our uh, overlay, but Eric and I did talk about it a little bit and I don't remember who asked it, but um, since this is our first mailbag, since the, the trade of uh, for Donovan Peoples Jones, um, some people are already like looking ahead and saying, all right, Donovan Peoples Jones might not be a starter, but is he going to be here long-term lines? Um, you know, spend minor draft capital on him um, for, for eight, nine, 10 games, however long they, their season ends up going. What's the future of him? And so um, obviously this is blind guessing. We, we haven't seen this guy practice. We don't know how they're going to use him. We don't know <laughs> if they're going to use him. But what's your feeling on the likelihood that Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't just a half-season rental? Well, I, I think if you're giving up capital, you're hoping that this is someone that you can keep long-term, right? Yeah. So I think that's the hope. At the same time, uh, if he doesn't play well, he won't get re-signed. Right. And, and that is probably the going to be the first and foremost thing that determines if he sticks. Uh, but it's also going to be, you know, who is coming back, right? Because you you have Josh Reynolds is on an expiring deal, but you have Amon Ra under contract, Jameson Williams under contract, Khalif Raymond under contract. And so at bat, and then Antonio Green um, uh, under contract. Antoine, Jesus, why don't I don't Apologies. Uh, sorry, Mr. Green. Uh, Green under contract. So at best, 
he fits in as like wide receiver four. That's if Josh Reynolds doesn't come back. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, if Josh Reynolds doesn't come back, they're probably drafting a guy that they think can start. And so they're going to, if they view him as wide receiver five, they're going to want to pay him wide receiver five money. If he plays well, he may think he can get better than wide receiver five money. And so then he might not want to stay, even though he's wanted to play in Detroit. At the same time, maybe he takes a discount because he's from the area. He's wanted to play here. He grew up. I mean, like, there's all kinds of factors that go into it. Step one, how does he play? Yep. Okay. Then after that, we can start checking off all these other boxes and seeing about fit and who stays and who goes. And he's got to play well. He's got to do what they were hoping to get out of Marvin. He's got to be able to stretch the field. He's got to be a good blocker. He's got to do a lot of the things like where he can give him like 20 snaps and maybe a couple of like design plays. Play well. They'll they'll reward you if you play well. Yeah. And and playing well has multiple benefits for the Lions. Obviously, you get contributions this year. You you may have a, a, a wide receiver that you didn't think was maybe necessarily going to be a starter for you going forward being a, a starter going forward. It could be a, a Josh Reynolds type addition in the middle of the season where it's just like you, you thought maybe the, you, you claim Josh Reynolds off of waivers that one year and you're like, all right, well, he'll help us get a little bit of semblance of an offense in, in the end of year one of this regime. Turns out he, he becomes a three-year starter for you. Maybe that's what happens with, with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Or like you said, maybe he plays well. The Lions only want to pay him as a wide receiver four or five and he goes somewhere else and Maybe you play the comp pick game a little bit. Obviously, a lot has to go into the offseason, but he signed somewhere. Maybe you get that sixth round pick back in 2025. Um, you, you never really know. And so, yeah, it, it's too early to tell. But I think I think that's I, I think it's reasonable to have a ceiling of, yes, he becomes a regular contributor on this team, maybe even a starter on this team in the future. Caught almost 900 yards last year. He's capable of being a productive member in the NFL. He's young. Yeah, he's young. He's a tremendous athlete. He's got a lot of upside. Yep. And sometimes guys just don't fit in one place and they do in another. Right. And yeah, I agree with you. He could, you, he if he plays well, who knows where his ceiling sure. could be. Yep. And he could just as as likely not be on the team by February, right? Like it's just, it's just the way we, we don't know. We don't know how he's going to fit in here. The Lions obviously have a certain amount of confidence that he checked all those boxes that we, you know, that yeah. we're saying all those corners didn't check. He's checking all those boxes. So there is a certain level of faith that has me believe like there's a legitimate chance he's around next year and and maybe in a non in a significant role, I should say. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to end things there, um, but we're going to save for some overtime for our live audience, which is, again, a reminder, please come to our YouTube chats, our, our Twitch chats. It's a lot of fun in November. I, I promise you that the audio version of this you're missing about, I would say, about 70 percent of the fun, if I'm being completely honest. But we do appreciate you all that listen at home as well. So until next time for Eric, I'm Jeremy. It's chaos. Be kind. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.